0: Hey, welcome to the show and this is a big one. James Michael, producer, songwriter, and of course, the singer of 6 AM is here, and we're going to cover a lot of things. We discuss his journey from arriving to LA at age 19 to becoming co-writer with Nicki Six and then a hit producer and how he finally got his first hit as a musician with 6 AM at age 40. Plus, he tells me about his upcoming upcoming solo record, the process of songwriting, the chemistry behind 6 AM and so much more. So, Real quick before we get started, if you haven't already, please make sure to like this video and subscribe to my channel on YouTube. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. James Michael, coming right up. Thank you so much for doing this, by the way. I didn't realize, I mean, I knew I was like very grateful that you chose to do this. But then when I went to go look and listen to some of your other interviews, I was like, Oh, this guy doesn't do a lot of interviews. Like I like hit the golden goose here. I'm like, this is like a rarity.
1: You know, I uh, I, I go through I go through spurts of doing interviews um when when six AM is, you know, in the process of releasing music. But other than that, I, I'm pretty private. I I don't tend to uh venture out too much from my little cave here.
0: Yeah, that's what I I heard you say, like a quote, like where you you like people, but you seldom see them or something like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, if we could just go through your your whole story, so fascinating to me, Uh, just your whole background. And uh, I didn't realize that you kind of grew up with that scene in the 80s. Like you had moved to L.A. at 19 to be a rock star and and you were there in 1987.
1: Yeah, I, I I moved out um, shortly. I, I went to college for a couple of years in Chicago, uh, and I studied music theory there. Um, and very quickly realized that that was not going to be the path that 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 inspired me and that really captured my imagination. So I just. I took the plunge. I loaded up my car and, and drove out to Los Angeles, and, and immediately immersed myself in the uh, in the music scene out here. And um, and yeah, you know, so I've I've been out here a long time, and um, and really been working at it for a long time. It, the, the interesting thing about the, the way my journey has been is that, you know, I, I did really initially. Uh, wanna be a rock star when I was a kid, so that was my main goal get out to l a get in a band, get famous and and live the life um, but very quickly when I got out here i I realized not only you know the challenges of of having something like that happen to you and the, and the likelihood is so slim that you're you're gonna ever achieve those type of things so I immediately started focusing more on on you know, music production, engineering, mixing, songwriting—all of the other things that I, I might be able to control the outcome a little bit more of—and um, and so I, I ended up having a, a, a very diverse career. That, that really, you know, I feel like I've had four or five different careers: the career as a as a music engineer, the career as a mixer, the career as a producer, the career as a songwriter, and then later on in life, I got to add rock star to that so it's been an interesting journey
0: right but so if we if we go back because you were initially in some bands i think in, in michigan like the way we dress and night shift and then um what was the band the last americans was that your first band when you got to la
1: that was i was actually in san francisco um okay it was a great band it was a. Uh, Kind of a heavy rock band, a little bit southern rock, inspired by the likes of you know the Black Crows and 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 some other bands that really uh, had that sound. Um, so I was I was the lead singer of that band and and the main songwriter in that band, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It's where I kind of added the the rock sound to my voice um, because if you were to listen to to that band versus even 6am or some of my solo stuff, each one of them, my voice sounds very different. Um, and that was very intentional. I, you know, I, I've always been a bit of a chameleon when it comes to, to vocalizing. So when I was in the last Americans, um, it was a very heavy kind of bluesy rock sound. Um, I tap into that every once in a while in in 6am and with some of my solo stuff, but it was, it was a, a unique band all to itself
0: so were you in any of like the ha- i mean because this is 80s la was this when you were uh when you were like working at red lobster and you're in these like shitty bands what were these shitty bands i want to know about the i, I think oh, this stuff is fun
1: okay yeah that that was fun that was when i first got out to to la and um i was a host at red lobster that was my that was my job to make money i loved that job i loved all the people i worked with and stuff but but during that time is when i was first starting to meet other musicians in los angeles and you know I, anything that interested me even remotely i would join that band and and play with them and 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 so i was in several bands uh, none of which ever turned into anything but they were all great experiences and and you know I learned how to be a band member uh Mm. during that time and um and also you know learned just how tough this business was and and how and what a steep mountain it was going to be for me to climb so in in certain ways being in those early bands really inspired me and uh probably also gave me a dose of reality and, and and maybe discouraged me in certain ways too so that I so that I, you know, was aware of the fact that if I only had that one dream, that one plan of just being in a band or being an artist, um, you know, my chances got much smaller of having any success. And that's when I kind of learned to diversify and really focus on several different aspects of what I, of what my skills allowed me to do.
0: So did you at least make connections through these bands, like playing shows and and playing with some of these members? I don't know if they ever went on to do anything else. Or I mean, because how did you, you must have been able to network a little bit during this time, right?
1: You know, I think I was too naive to really understand the concept of networking and what the value of networking would have been. So I was just kind of a satellite bouncing around from from, hmm. from one star to another, you know, and just kind of trying to figure out my way. It wasn't until I had spent a few years in Los Angeles, um, really just trying everything I possibly could, that I that I started to kind of, Hone my skills and realize, okay, if I'm if I'm going to make a living in this business, um, I've got to I've got to start thinking of this as a business. And that's when I started focusing more on my my skills that that could get me practical jobs versus that dream of of being a rock star, which just seemed so elusive. And and really, there was no roadmap to that, but there were roadmaps to these other channels of of income so i just started following those and i started doing things like um joining uh, you know songwriter communities and things like that anywhere where i could you know as you mentioned i could start networking um but i i spent the first few years there just kind of bouncing around and not really using it to my advantage until before i realized oh you know i've got to get more organized about this i've got to come up with a plan and um and that plan kind of meant putting those dreams of, of rock stardom not necessarily on, on the back burner, but just over to the side a little bit, so that I could start, you know, using my skills as a recording engineer to get some jobs at studios, and then maybe at those studios I would meet artists as they were coming in, and eventually I'd be in sessions uh, with with artists that were more established and that really proved to be the the right way for me to to go was to you know just be willing to take on jobs whether i was just doing some pro tools editing or whether i was engineering or whether i was i didn't really start mixing until later but um, but you know taking any gig that i could where there was the potential that more established successful artists were there and i could you know start to network with them
0: so when you look back on your early Attempt at being a rock star musician. What do you think went wrong? Because I mean, especially in the '80s, I look at a lot of those bands. You know, it was all about the look. I mean, I don't know what you look like then, but now I look at you. You got the look. You clearly have the sound. I mean, unless your voice wasn't good then and it got better somehow. So, what what do you think went wrong? I mean, it's just that competitive.
1: You know. that's a good question, and I would rephrase it a little bit. I don't want to say anything went wrong because that gives the impression that that you know that uh, there were things I could have done back then that maybe I didn't. Now that could be the case, but but the reality is, is that this is a very very hard business to to get established in. So when somebody is trying in trying everything they know how to do to, to, to have success. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't necessarily mean that something went wrong. It just means, man, you have chosen one of the steepest mountains to climb and, and, um and no, you could do everything right and still just never have that lucky break that it requires. Uh, and everyone at some point, every artist that's ever made it every, you know, rock star, Every pop star, at some point, they have gotten lucky, and it and and at that point where they got lucky, they had done all of the preparation that needed to be done leading up to that moment of luck, um, and and that's how careers end up getting made by these these by incredible preparation, determination, tenacity, and then those moments of luck. So, I don't think anything went wrong for me back then. I just you know. I probably, well, I know that I wasn't ready. Um, mm-hmm. in fact, when I, when I finally did get my first record deal, uh, which I think was in 99, it was, um, it was a, a solo record deal. Um, and we put out a record called inhale, um, that, that was a, a pretty critically acclaimed record, but, but commercially it was, it was not a success. um, But at that at that point, um, you know, I really that's that's when I I realized that, you know, it was I I was going to have to do everything I possibly could to to keep this career moving forward. But it was I was going to depend on a lucky break at some point. Um, And it wasn't until I had signed that first record deal. Um, that I started really meeting other musicians, other successful artists. I happened to be on the same label with Nikki Six from Motley Crue, um, who had a, a, a sub label at this record label that I was at called Beyond Music. And they had Motley Records, which was kind of uh, attached to Beyond. So that's really where my first introduction to Nikki, uh, happened, um, and we became friends just because we'd pass each other in the halls of the record label. And one day he pulled me aside and said, Hey, you know, I heard your solo record. Um, I really like your writing. Would you be interested in doing some writing for Motley Crue? And of course I said, absolutely. And that was really my one of my first introductions into legitimately writing for a legitimately signed and successful band. Um, but that was, you know, that was many, many years after I had been struggling in Los Angeles, just trying to, to find that right avenue. Um, so again, back to your question, I don't know that anything went wrong back then. It's just, I just hadn't had my moments of luck yet.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. Yeah, it took 13 years, but you kept going. Like, was there ever a time where you thought, oh, maybe I should try something else? Or was it just because yeah. I guess you were doing the engineering and stuff to pay the bills. So you're still around music.
1: Yeah, I was, I was still around music, but yes, I, I had many of those moments where I just thought this just isn't working for me. You know, I'm now I'm 25 and now I'm 28 and it's still not happening. And now I'm 30 and, and it's not happening. And do you know that I did not have my first hit song as an artist until I was 40 years old, um, which which means that f- from the time that I moved out to Los Angeles, when I was around 19 Till 40 years old, that was all just this constant grind and this constant struggle and having moments of success, and moments of luck and moments where it looked like things were heading in the right direction and then complete disappointments where they they ended up not panning out. Um, so, you know, so, yeah, it, it took me a long, long time to to realize that initial dream that brought me out to Los Angeles in the first place.
0: Yeah. And didn't you, I mean, you, you got really hyper-focused on being a songwriter. I think, didn't you say you'd lost some relationships and some friendships because of that?
1: Yeah. You know, I, there was a point, uh, which goes back to your question of, did I ever consider giving it up? There was a point where I just, I did really say, all right, the artist thing isn't going to happen for me. I had, I had spent years sending out, um, demo tapes and, and was constantly being, you know, uh, discouraged, and basically say, you know, people would tell me, "You just don't have the voice for it. You don't, uh, you know, hmm. that your songs aren't there. We don't hear you as an artist. We we know that you're a songwriter. Uh, we know that you're able to write songs, but we don't hear you as the guy to perform those songs." I got a lot of that.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, and and sorry, I got to turn off my phone here. Um, and you know that was. That was very discouraging and disheartening. And so at at a certain point, I'm not sure what age I was, but I really just, I took that to heart. I thought maybe I need to listen to this. You know, if I, if I just keep on going down this road, I could end up being 40 and and having nothing happening. And so I really took a shift and focused. I, I, I gave up the idea of being an artist and I just really focused on songwriting. And during that time, um, I signed my first publishing deal. I started to see some success. I started to to be like, okay, this this songwriting thing could really pay off for me, um, and it did. And and so I spent I spent years um, just doing that and being very content and, and feeling very successful um, and and you know feeling appreciated because I was getting a lot of cuts. I was writing for a lot of different artists, um, and then. Maybe, you know, five or six years into that, it, and by that time, Nikki and I, Nikki Six and I had, had become very good friends, and we'd written a lot of songs together, both for Motley Crue and for other artists. Um, and we started just toying with this idea of, um, of taking these, these diaries that he had written and turning them into a, a movie, and then he and I and, uh, should, should make the soundtrack to that movie. And we really loved that idea, um, but it was. But we we kind of came up with that idea, and then just didn't really follow through on it for a couple of years. We both kind of went our own ways. He got really busy doing Motley Crue, and I was just really really busy doing you know other songwriting gigs. And then one day he called me out of the blue and said, "Hey, you remember that idea that we had to?" Kind of do a soundtrack to my diaries and stuff, and you guys and I said, yeah, I, I, we loved that idea. Why didn't we do anything with it? He says, well, I found our guitar player. His name's DJ Ashba, and um and I think that the three of us should get together and really explore that idea. And at the time, I was actually. Deep in production, I was producing a Scorpions record at the time, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm really in the throes of this record right now, but I love the idea of us all getting together. When I'm done with the Scorpions, I'll come out to your place. The three of us can sit down and, and see if, if we have a, a, any chemistry. So I did that. I, I finished the Scorpions record, went out to his, uh, his studio and met DJ and uh, him, and um, we immediately... Like within minutes we're writing songs together. We just we both we all picked up instruments and started playing. We're like, whoa, this feels different. This feels really cool. It was amazing to have somebody as incredible as DJ on the guitars and 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 it was just it was just neat to to hear all of these different ideas being thrown, you know, around. I wasn't used to that. I'd been doing a lot of co-writing with people, but not with Not with other artists like this, you know, and and so it was it we 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 became we very quickly realized we got to keep doing this. And that was the beginning of 6 a.m. It was it was probably a matter of a month or two of us, you know, repeating that, getting together and and writing that we had recorded Life is Beautiful and a few other songs. Um, So it's been an interesting journey. uh, and, And it really, you know, it was unexpected. By the time that six AM happened, I had you know completely given up on the dream of being a rock star, um, and it was it was just really uh, uh, another one of those those moments that, looking back on it now, I'm like, my God, that that you know that meeting that we had that first day that we got together changed the trajectory of my life so dramatically because then for the next. Ten years, six a.m. really dominated everything that I was doing because I ended up um, producing and, and mixing the album. So it there was a it was mm. a huge workload for me. Uh, so I actually ended up having to put all of that other stuff that this the entire other careers that I had been building as an engineer and as a songwriter and producer i kind of had to put those on hold and focus completely on 6 a.m so uh but but again that really didn't happen until my late 30s and and like i said our first song when, when life is beautiful uh became a hit i was 40 years old and it was it was the first time as an artist that i was experiencing that kind of success
0: yeah so how did nikki find dj because i know dj was in i think he was in bullet boys and then beautiful creatures did but, he see him in beautiful creatures or was it something else he was doing you
1: No, know, they actually met i love the story they actually met at a funeral um which is very appropriate for for 6 a.m <laughs> but uh they met at randy castillo the drummer's oh. uh yeah um uh, and uh and DJ and I had had met before. We had crossed paths in recording studios and stuff like that. Um, so the three of us didn't know each other. It was more like we knew of each other more than we knew each other. Um, but that changed quickly. You know, we, we instantly became very, very close friends.
0: Yeah. And you were not originally supposed to be the singer. You were just going to be the songwriter. Did you guys try out any other... Can you say what other singers you guys tried out or looked at
1: or...? Well, here's the thing. We never actually tried out any singers, at least okay. not to my knowledge. Who knows? Maybe Nikki and DJ did. But yes, my <laughs> my my, uh, my involvement was supposed to be writing the songs with them uh, and producing and mixing it. And then and because it wasn't supposed to be a band. This was just supposed to be a soundtrack to this book. Right. Um, And uh, so. the 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 idea was going to be that we'd get the songs written we'd get them recorded and then we'd audition a singer um to come in and just lay their vocals over the top of everything that we'd already built up uh sonically um but the issue became that because i um even though i don't really fancy myself as a singer um i i you know, I vocalize and I do my best to make things sound good that, that, that I am singing. Um, and I have a pretty big range. I have a, I have a larger range than most uh, male tenors have uh, in the rock world, at least. I mm-hmm. should say, qualify that. Um, I didn't realize how difficult it would be to find somebody else to sing these songs um, because of that range. Uh, so we did reach a point uh, when we were st- starting to talk about, okay, we got to, we got to audition people. And it became clear very quickly that, that finding somebody to, to, to really, you know, hit those notes and, and, and do it the way that I had done it was going to be a challenge and and may set us back, you know, much further. It may take a lot longer. So um, at some point, Nikki and DJ just said, Hey, would you mind if we just kept your voice on these, on these songs for, for the time being. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll put out a song and, and, um, and just see what happens. So they put out life is beautiful and it just very, very quickly started climbing the charts. Well, at that point I'm locked in because, you know, it's going to be difficult now Mm -hmm. once we've had a song on the radio to, um, to uh, replace You know the vocals on it. Uh, So I kind of reluctantly became the actual lead singer at 6am. It was never my intention. I remember at some point saying, yeah, I guess that's okay. You can leave my voice on on the first couple of songs and then we'll find somebody to sing the rest of them later. And then a couple of months later, the record label called and said, hey, Life is Beautiful is, is turning into a hit song. We need to shoot a video for it. Would you mind also being in the video? I'm like, Okay, I'll I'll be in the video, but this, this I'm just going to do the one video, and then we'll find another singer. I was still convinced that we'd find another singer for the band at some point, but literally, that's just how it kept on unfolding. It just was like, okay, well, now we're releasing another song, kept my voice on it, and before you know it, we put the record out, and it all had my voice on it, and that's how I became the singer of the band. It was- <laughs> never supposed to happen that's so
0: funny you tried so hard to be a singer and then it couldn't happen and then you're like okay I'm gonna be a songwriter I'm not you're trying not to be the singer and then you do it's like it's so interesting
1: that's right Chuck what what was interesting about it is because of all of the frustrations that I had experienced earlier on when I was trying to be a singer I really made a very heartfelt and committed decision to not do that anymore and just focus on the writing and the producing and, and be a behind the scenes guy and I loved it I loved the idea I was because I was I was writing songs for all of these different artists. And then I'd watch those artists go out and have to tour for the next year or two years, be away from home, be away from their families. And they were out there playing my songs and I was sitting at home collecting checks. And I was like, this is so much easier if I I just sit home. right with all these different artists let them go out and do all of the difficult tasks of promoting their albums and stuff and i can sit back and collect the checks and that's really how it went for a long time so by the time 6 a.m came around my life as a songwriter and producer was was pretty appealing already so that's why it, it became a bit more of you know arm twisting to get me to to actually commit to being in the band and and you know what it was one of the best decisions I ever made because I, I just I have had such a blast being the lead singer of 6am and the producer of 6am and just and a founding member of the band. It's just it's been such a an amazing journey and the experiences that I've had. It's just I I, I just can't imagine now not having done that and missed out on all of the the wonderful experiences I've I've had uh, throughout the years.
0: Yeah. And I think, in my opinion, I think 6 a.m. beat a lot of the odds too, and just being so successful. Like you guys obviously were surprised that life is beautiful. I mean, hit number two on the rock charts. But I mean, I think before that, if you had said, okay, Nikki Six, oh yeah, oh, well, he's just an 80s guy, and then these two other guys, oh, we've never heard of them. This this song's not gonna do well. And it blows up like he kind of looks like a genius in a way that he discovered you, and he basically discovered DJ Ashba, and your both your careers took off because of
1: this. You know, you're right, and and I think that that therein lies one of the the very genius things about Nikki is that he um, he just has an amazing vision, no matter what mm-hmm. it is that he is pursuing. Um, that's something that I've really enjoyed about working with him is his sense of imagination is huge and it's inspiring. Um, and, uh, and that's been a real fun part of this whole process. And, but the other thing is, um, that, you know, people would very easily assume because of that, that he is guiding the way for 6 a.m. And I think he'd be the first one to tell you that 6 a.m. is absolutely a collaborative effort. It is, mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. democracy through and through. And and those songs and those experiences are all of ours. They are DJs. They are mine. They are his. his They're shared stories. Um, and that's what has been so special to us about 6 a.m. There was always the potential for it to be very different because of who Nikki was. but. Um, but he didn't want it that way either. He wanted this to be a band and he wanted this to be a collaboration. And I think that's why, um, that's why the albums were so special and so unique. Um, and, and so different from, from other bands that were making music at the time.
0: Yeah. And you guys get along really well, right? Like talk, talk about that. How you, 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 you guys, if you have a fight, nobody holds a grudge. It's over in five minutes. I love yeah.
1: that. You know, we, um, we're like we're like any band. We we have our moments that that you think, oh, this isn't going to last much longer because we're just butting heads and, and things like that. But we also have been through so much together as friends over the years. Um, you know, really shared a lot of very personal experiences together. I remember when uh, Nikki and I both went through divorces at the same time, and we were sleeping on each other's couches and and just. You know, really just trying to make sense of lives that had fallen apart. Uh, so we've 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 been through so much stuff together um, that I think that 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 those experiences and that friendship that was forged because of that will always override any political differences we have musically or business-wise or band-wise you know yeah we we get along great and we all respect each other um and you know like i said we've we've had our moments we've had moments where we haven't spoken for six months because we were angry with one another for something but but you know you get to this point in life and you look back on those things and you go, boy, that was just such wasted time. You know, Hmm. I say, I would say that we get along better now than we ever have. We have such a a deep respect for each, each other's lives and, 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 and what this experience is like for each of us. It's, it's a strange experience to be in the music business and to kind of, you know, I mean, If my experience has been strange, I can only imagine what Nicky's has been like being, you know, world famous since he was nineteen years old. Mm. So, um, when you understand that, you realize that that is quite a burden to carry around with you. It is, it is something that 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 has to be dealt with every day. You know, people's perception of of being a rock star like Nicky are probably very inaccurate. It seems very luxurious and fun, but but I would say that most people that reach that level would, would tell you, you know, at least a majority of the time, it feels like a burden or it feels like a, a such a, a, a heavy, heavy responsibility. Um, and you have to become good at dealing with that. My, my former manager and best friend who passed away uh, several years ago said to me once, he said, you know, the difference between being a superstar and being a very talented person. As he said, a very talented person has talent. A superstar has talent for being talented. Hmm. And it didn't make sense to me at the time, Hmm. but, but after getting to know Nikki, I I really grew to understand the, 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 the gravity of that comment. Nikki is very good at being a successful artist. He he's, he handles it very gracefully, um, and so DJ and I were, were very lucky to be in a band with him and be able to see that you know to see him set that example. Um, and I, I think that that's something that I've always been just incredibly impressed by Nicky. He's just he's very good at being Nicky Six, and and, um, and you can't say that for a lot of of people that have reached that level of fame. You know, a lot of people. Uh, stumble over it. Not that he hasn't stumbled, but, uh, but a lot of people stumble over that burden uh, more often than not.
0: Well, yeah. And let's talk about you because you said that, you know, the, that was the hardest part about being in 6am was the public persona that that felt uncomfortable to you. You're more like you said at the beginning, you're more of a private person. So you felt like you were playing a character. I, explain that to me.
1: Yeah. You know, and and I don't think that that's that uncommon. I think that, even Nicky would tell you he plays a bit of a character because the, the Nicky Six that is, you know, at home with his with his wife and his kids and his dogs is considerably different than the Nicky Six that goes out and does press, you know, conferences or that goes out and does meet and greets or goes out and performs to eighty thousand people like he's doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, yeah, so I found that it was easier for me to kind of create this character and then step into it, um, step into it when necessary. Uh, and that helped me really keep a, a, a healthy perspective um, between any successes that I have or any notoriety that I have. And thankfully, my notoriety was, was very limited com- compared to that of, of both DJ and Nicki. Um, uh Because that's, you know, like, like you were saying, I'm much more comfortable behind the scenes. But I do enjoy from time to time stepping into that character and going out and and getting to, you know, play that role because it's a super fun role to play.
0: I bet. Being on stage, I mean, that's got to be the b- best adrenaline high that you could get.
1: You know, it really is. It is. Um, you, you've heard it. You know, everyone's heard it, you know, kind of compared to a drug or an addiction, but boy, I'll tell you what, when you step out on the stage in front of 10, 15, 20, 80,000 people and they're all singing the words to you that you wrote right here in this room, um, there is a there is a gosh, I don't want to use this word, but there is a godliness to it that is that is that is terrifying because it's so enticing because it is so addictive. Um, and when you feel like you, you know, you have that audience in the palm of your hand, I've just never experienced any other feeling like that. And that's, That's what keeps people coming back. It's like, you know, they say in golf, golf is so difficult until you hit that one perfect shot and then you hit that perfect shot and you're like, oh my God, that's what, that's the one shot that keeps you coming back for years to come. That's the way it is when you step out on stage and you feel that feeling, boy, that'll keep you coming back as long as they'll have you.
0: Interesting. That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah, because you see that with a lot of artists that, like, why is this person still touring? They've got millions of dollars. They can just retire, but they just really love performing.
1: Yeah, that, that connection to the audience is, is magical. It is magical.
0: Yeah, and then on the same hand, you see a lot of people chasing it. If they had that, you know, 20,000 people singing along, and then their career goes a different way, and then they lose it, and they're still trying to get back to that. That must be frustrating. Maybe that's why there's so many issues with with rock stars struggling with drugs think, and alcohol, and mental health, and all that stuff.
1: I think you're right, Chuck. Um, it, it's it's a real uh, issue for people when when they have that kind of experience, and I think that um, that's one of the reasons because I spent I had such a long career working with artists like that before any of that happened to me, I saw them going through that. And I learned very quickly, okay, this is something to be cautious about. Uh, if, if I, if I were ever to have that opportunity, you need to, I I need to approach that cautiously because, um, because I can see myself getting addicted to that very quickly. So, I always, even when things started to blow up for 6 a.m. and we were starting to have success and I was starting to experience those little moments of fame, um, I made sure to never really think of it as as reality. I always thought, okay, you're playing a character. This Hmm. is this is this is not real. What the audience is feeling is real. What you're giving to them is real. But this understanding that you and the audience have is not real. It's, it's, it's make believe. And that's how I always looked at it so that I never let it get to my head or let it confuse me. Um, And now I'm grateful for that because I, you know, I've, I've had that experience, um, but I also it made me realize just how much I love my privacy and my personal life and and how important that is to me. The last few years have have especially made that crystal clear to me because I intentionally took a step back from, from 6am and from, from music altogether and really just focused on my family and, uh, and my personal life. And, um, only recently have I been back in the studio making new music. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's all, it's all been very interesting, but I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful just to, to finish up this particular conversation. I'm really grateful that both of my bandmates are much more famous than I am because <laughs> it really took the burden off of me and it, it, and it, it allowed me to do this comfortably.
0: Huh? And so how is uh, like, cause you say you, you kind of play a character. How is the character that you're playing on stage different than the real you or are they becoming more connected?
1: Well, they do become connected you need them to be connected. Otherwise it's just going to be disingenuous. Mm -hmm. Um, They're definitely connected. Um, I think when I say character, I think I just get to, when I, when I step into that role, I just get to believe the hype a little bit more. You know, I I get to kind of buy into the fantasy a little bit more, Mm -hmm. just have fun with it. Um, And Maybe be a little bit cockier because I think a certain amount of cockiness uh, is is needed to be able to to get out and do that um, and uh, you know it's a really good question I, I I think they're they're very similar those two those two people myself and the character are very similar maybe the character's there just to protect me from 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 any invasive things. Any any time where I feel like my privacy is, is being punctured, um, then I then I kind of use it as a as a, a mask or as a kind of a a, a bubble to, to keep to keep my, my personal life protected.
0: Yeah. How do you deal with that? Because I know, like you said, I mean obviously you don't have the level of world famous Nikki six fame, but you have a lot of followers on Instagram for that's worth. And you have, I mean, you have a level of fame. So how do you deal with super fans or stalkers or people that come out of the woodwork? Hey, remember, we were best friends in high school. Like, remember, like, but they're just trying to like use you basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I just try to be as, as genuine as I can in, in, in any of those situations. I think most fans that, that, that meet me, um, are probably surprised at the lack of bravado and, and the, and you know, they, I usually hear people say, God, oh, you're, you're just, you're just kind of like normal, you know? <laughs> and, 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 that, and I, and I take that as a compliment because I am, and you know what? Nikki's normal and DJ's normal. We're all just normal dudes. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. have just gotten super, super lucky after working extremely hard. Um, but, you know, I think that sometimes fans imagine a band like 6am that we're just always together and we're always hanging out. And what, whenever we're together, we're just talking about music, but we so seldom ever talk about music when we're together because there's just so much other stuff about life to talk about. And, and I find, I find Nikki and DJ, the people far more interesting than their personas, you know, and, and I think they would say the same about me. So we just, you know, mm. we, um, we just try to, to always just set that aside and be as normal as we can be. And and I find that the most natural. So when I'm meeting with fans or talking with fans um, I just very quickly try to, to, to erase any of that kind of pre preconception and just have a normal conversation like we're having right now. Yeah. I love it.
0: So when you talk to Nikki and DJ, I mean, can I, without, I don't want to get you in trouble, but can you say any of the things that, I mean, I'd love to be a fly on the wall of these conversations. Can you have like deep philosophical conversations with Nikki six? I mean, that oh sounds amazing.
1: That's about all we ever do. Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, we, that's one of the things that that's why there's such a chemistry between the three of us is that that's where we instinctively go. We go deep mm, and, and, and I love we, it. and we, um, and, you know, we don't take anything about our friendship for granted and we appreciate the, the safe space that our friendships allow us. And, oh, yeah, we from the very beginning, we have just always gone deep. And I think that that's why it just seems so natural that we should be writing songs about very deep, heavy, personal things. Um, so that part of it is is, you know, that part of it it plays out both in our personal private lives and in our you know business lives where we're creating music.
0: Oh that's fascinating. It yeah, that makes sense cuz the music is I mean I love Motley Crue. They're one of my favorite bands, but this is so different. It's it's much deeper. It's much more mature songwriting. So what kinds of, what other kinds of things inspire that kind of songwriting? Like, is there a certain, like, you read a lot of books of philosophy books or like, uh, novels, or I don't know what or art that inspires you.
1: That's a good question. We, um, the, the first thing, the first word that I would use to describe all three of us would be, we are observers. We're observers of life. Um, and I think that you, you have to be in any situation I'm, I'm constantly just fascinated by human nature and I know Nikki and DJ both are as well. Uh, so that immediately, uh, sets you up to, to be able to then, you know, create narrations about your observations. Um, and that's what songwriting is. At least that's what songwriting is for, for us. So we always tend to, uh, you know, when we are, when we're observing life, we tend to f- try to find the most beautiful thing and the darkest thing. And and by finding both of those, then you've got all the material that you need to create 6am music, because 6am music has always been about just walking that fine line or doing that that, that very, very specific dance between beauty and and ugliness and i that's how i would describe 6 a.m music and 6 a.m lyrics is um it's just just walking that fine line between beauty and darkness i love it and i think your you said your
0: favorite album is modern vintage i think that's my favorite too i know it kind of took a little bit of a different turn but i just i think stars is a masterpiece i think gotta get it right is just it's so melodic So in terms of like, you know, you talk about the inspiration with uh, with I guess you're more lyrics, but in terms of making it sound good, because I feel like that's what, you know, is a big part of music is the sound, the melody and all those kinds of things. Is that something that you developed over all these years of writing or is there a process that you do to make it sound good?
1: You mean the the sonics of 6 a.m the way well, like
0: the the song the music like the, the I don't know what you call it. I'm, not, I'm not a music guy. I just know what sounds good like the chorus and the verses like it's catchy like what your newest song um that you guys have the first 21 yeah. so catchy I'm like oh this is such a catchy so I like the little bit a little bit of poppier stuff yeah. that I can sing along to I mean nothing against some of the heavier bands but uh, you know, I like to I like to be able to sing along to. I like to hear the melody and stuff. So, how do you figure that out? Without also, you got to be original too, right? You don't want to be ripping off another band.
1: That's right. That's right. Well, I um, first off, I think that, uh, and I think Nikki and DJ would both agree with this that we just we write pop songs. It's just you know we all write pop songs. It's just how how you present them is what will make it a metal song or a hard rock song or a country song or a you know whatever. I think that it's just it's the way that you, you treat it once it's written. Um, so from, from that respect, we've always had, put a lot of focus on, you know, good hooks and good kind of pop hooks, memorable things. Um, and then it just kind of comes down to, um, what inspires us as, as a, as a music producer, which is, which is what I always kind of think my main gig is, 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 figuring that question out. How do I make this sound? Okay. We've got this great song. How do I make it sound? Are we going to lean this one a little bit heavier or are we going to go a little bit more pop back to modern vintage? When we, when we sat down and started writing modern vintage, we set out to make a very different sounding record. That was our intention. Um, We knew we were going to be pissing off some fans because anytime that you make that dramatic of a shift, some people are going to get uncomfortable with it. But the thing about 6am that we've always done is we've, we've done our best to take the fans on a journey, um, but never abandon them, never leave them somewhere stranded musically where they, where they didn't know how to get back to, you know, so we always kind of will bring it back around to that heavy, darker 6am sound But on Modern Vintage, for instance, we really pushed the envelope and we really did some things that we knew some of our fans weren't necessarily going to like. Our hope was that maybe they would um, find some things on the record that they did enjoy and then years later come back to it and be like, I'm. I think I might be a little more open to got to get it right. You know, I hated got to get it right when it came out, but now I kind of like it. I've heard that from people before. Hmm. In fact, when we released got to get it right, um, it didn't do very well at radio at all, but Hmm. interestingly enough, we performed it live and every time we performed it, the crowd went crazy. So it was just one of those songs Hmm. that, um, that maybe the timing wasn't right for it. You know, maybe, it was a little too soon to to lean in that pop direction but that's kind of what i love about it you know i i I, and you mentioned stars stars is one of my favorite 6am songs ever so i was i was very pleased that, that that song can live on the same album with a song like gotta get it right and and not be too much of a sore thumb, so it was. It was a lot of fun putting that record together because it was challenging because because we knew we were we were pushing the envelope and we knew that it wasn't going to be received well by everybody. Um, uh-huh. But I think as I think as it has as as the years have progressed, I think it's held up well, and I think um, it's still the album I'm probably the most proud of because of the chances we took on it.
0: Yeah. I love it. Is now, how come I've always wondered this, how come you guys never made a drummer, a permanent
1: member of the band? Probably because we, for the first five or six years of our career, we literally would make a point of saying, we're not a band. <laughs> we're just, okay. we're just three guys. It's the project. That, yeah. We're just three guys that got together and made some music and got lucky and enjoyed it enough that we kept on doing it um but you know i think that early on had we hired a drummer permanently that would have been admitting that we are a band and i think that we all were a little reluctant to do that but once um and and we've had some great drummers jeff fab was just wonderful he i believe he drummed on modern vintage and and uh and just love him to death. I still, I still communicate with him all the time. He's out with black label society now. Um, it mm-hmm. has been for many years. Um, but when Dustin. You froze. Dustin prayers for the Other. damn. Um, when Dustin joined the band, um, I think that's when we really started going, you know what? We are a band. You know, he, he really rounded it out. And, um, when I think of 6 a.m., of course I think of the core, the three of us and the friendship and all of that. But when I think of 6 a.m. the band, I definitely, I definitely think of Dustin as part of that. Um, uh, And, and he's, he's been doing great. He's got two kids now. He just, he was out with shinedown, Um, Hmm. uh, Barry shinedown's drummer. um, When he got COVID, they asked Dustin to join him. And so he went out on tour with them and played drums for shinedown for a while. And, and, and um he's also just a dear friend and and you know just grateful that we got to make a couple of records together and tour the world together um but you know to answer your question i think yeah if if we ever made it a fit, oops you froze again us, that would have been a fitting that we were a band and i think we we probably just avoided that
0: okay so is there a future for 6am is there going to be a new record or a new tour at some point or are you still on a hiatus
1: on hiatus um we don't have any plans right now um i am communicating quite regularly with both nikki and dj and um we you know we all have some other creative projects that we are are doing together or will do together and i just i don't know you know i i don't know if 6 a.m will do another record um now i i think i would really love that if we did And i to be honest with you i think probably nikki and dj feel the same so uh we'll just have to see you know it's 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 certainly not off the table um but it 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 just depends on where we're at in our lives and if if we feel um that it's something uh, to pursue uh,
0: so there's no plans though there's no like okay we're gonna start writing this month or no, we, we or have
1: time. no plans I, in fact i'm getting ready to release uh some music i'm going to be releasing some music in september um i've been back in the studio recording and uh it's really cool stuff and i think that if you're a 6 a.m. fan, I think you're going to you're going to really like this. It doesn't it doesn't sound like 6 a.m. necessarily, but these songs could absolutely have been 6 a.m. songs. So I'm getting really excited about putting out this music. And um, I think mid-September, we're going to I'm going to release the first song.
0: OK, is this so this is your solo career then? or?
1: Yeah, I guess so. I'm I'm not I'm not necessarily calling it that, but it's me and, uh, and okay. I'm doing it myself. So uh, I guess it is a solo thing.
0: Okay. Who else? Uh, like you had the actual, is this just the demos or is the album all already done? Who plays on it?
1: I've got, uh, well, I'm playing, uh, all of the instruments, um, everything as, as I've done most of my life. Anyway, it's you play the
0: drums too, and the bass and the, everything. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's not that unusual for me huh. to, to do. I've, I've always, I've always been that guy. Um, okay. And, uh, and uh, I'm just having a blast with it. And, you know, I, I really have no expectations for it other than I want to start putting out music for the fans again, because it's been a long time. And, you know, we've had a lot of people asking about 6 a.m. And while this won't be 6 a.m., I definitely think it's it's uh, it's going to be something that 6 a.m. fans really respond to.
0: OK, and then will you tour for that?
1: I'm starting to. Uh, I'm starting to get back in vocal shape, in vocal tour shape. I don't have any plans yet, but I just, um, you know, now that I'm going to be putting out music again, I want to be ready for anything. And uh, I've been considering doing uh, an acoustic tour for a couple of years. I've been thinking about that um, because I, I've been doing these little things where I, I, I'll sit down and I'll strip a, a rock song down to it's just piano and vocal. Yeah,
0: um, I love those.
1: And I've been having so much fun doing that and getting such a, a wonderful response from people that I thought, you know, there may be the possibility or it may be an idea to do, you know, an evening of, of music like that, you know, an acoustic thing, just me and a piano and maybe a couple other guest musicians. And uh, so I'm starting to, to I'm starting to get my voice back into shape so that I can do that. And um, and we'll see what happens.
0: OK, awesome. Well, I'll, I'll definitely see you if you come to Phoenix. That sounds yeah, like a great United. show.
1: I'll let you know for sure.
0: Very cool. Yeah. So, is this through your Empathic Music Group? Is that you still have that? That's your record label, you know, right?
1: We did. Uh, me and a couple of my friends uh, put that label together, and we put out a record for this artist named Sigs, who's just yeah. a, just an amazing, amazing young talent. Um, and literally, the the week that we uh, released it, COVID hit. And it really derailed all of our plans. We had plans for him to go out and tour and, um, it just derailed the whole thing, which was heartbreaking for us. And in fact, uh, Sigs is to this day, he's, he's one of my writing partners and, and, um, he wrote, co-wrote with me some of these songs that I'm getting ready to release. Um, Hmm. he's just incredibly talented and, and we loved that whole process of doing that, but it was heartbreaking that it, it didn't, uh, it didn't happen for him or for us because of COVID. Um, And so Empathic Music Group is just that. It was really just intended. Okay. No, I'm just putting this out myself. I'm just I'm not doing a record label or anything. I think that's one of the things that, um, over the last few years, I've I've realized is that. The less involvement I have with record labels, the happier I am. (laughs) And I I don't, I don't want to say anything bad about record labels because Six AM's record label has been fantastic, and and I love them, and I'm grateful for them. Uh, Better Noise Music, uh, they're just, they're awesome, awesome people. They're all very talented uh alan kovac has has just been an incredible manager for the band um so so I'm not dissing that but i I just find that I'm happier when i'm not having to deal so much with the business side of things sure
0: now that makes sense
1: um and and uh it it allows me to just um to be calmer and to enjoy being a music fan again, which is where I'm at now for, for so many years, I worked so hard and and was just going from one project to another, to another, to another um, that I, I forgot what it meant to be a music fan because I was just always being a music creator. And Hmm. over the last few years, I've fallen in love with, with music again, as a listener, um, which is what inspired me to get back in the studio and start creating again with this new, what I think is a healthier perspective. So um, so I'm very excited to start putting out music again, um, but but not being so hung up on the business side of it. Just putting music, I, I don't I don't want this to sound you know inappropriate, but but I don't need the success anymore. I've had so much wonderful success. Sure that I'm grateful for. Um, but what I do want to do is I want to continue connecting with fans and providing them with, I want to entertain the fans. So that's, that's what's driven me to, to, you know, consider putting music out again. And that's what I'm looking forward to. So
0: when you started to go back and become a listener of music, did or are you talking about listening to old music or did you discover any new bands that were yeah, current bands?
1: Well, yeah, both. Um, oh, okay. really, um, as a music producer it's important to stay current so you have Hmm. to listen to what's going on now and you have to understand it and you have to appreciate it and hopefully love it which which i do i love i love the music that's being made today but it's very very different than the music i cut my teeth on and um and i spend most of my time now listening to old 70s and 80s playlists and just being happier than I've ever been, you know, listening to that music, imagining what those artists went through when they were creating that music and and having an understanding of what the process is. And so I think that my when I imagine what they went through, I'm I'm probably pretty pretty accurate in, in many ways. And um, and I just love doing that because I think that 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 classic rock and that that pop music from the 80s, um, I don't think that we'll ever. You know, I don't think we'll ever have another time like that in music. Not to say that the times that we're having now aren't great, because I think music is as creative as it's ever been right now. But, boy, there was something really wonderful about those old 70s and 80s pop songs.
0: Yeah, isn't it, too? I think I feel like it's when you were really young and that music, like, you first hear it, it really sticks with you forever, I think. I mean, I, just, I still remember the first time you know, hearing like Skid Row and stuff when I was like 14, I was like, what is this? This blew my mind, you know? So.
1: And, and I don't know. Oh, I'm going to sound so old and like an old <laughs> thing to say this, but I don't know if the music that is being created today will have that same lasting, um, that lasting effect. I, I, and it might, it might, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe, 30 years from now, somebody will be sitting back reflecting on on you know the first Justin Bieber record. <laughs> which, which I love, by the way. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, but I don't know if there will be that same connection, you know, 30 years from now. I hope there is, and he certainly deserves it because he's incredibly talented, and, and so are most of these young artists that are putting out music today. Um, but it will just be interesting to see, you know we just won't, we won't know. And, uh, and I, that's why, that's why I have this, this affinity for, you know, for music from my child.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I love that era too. I love, and like the early nineties, I think was, was a really good time for rock too. I loved when it was like when grunge was coming along, but you still had the hard rock and then you had them both. And it was such a cool variety. And then then it went full grunge and then, and then it's obviously it's changed a lot since then too but it was a good time like 91 i think to me that was a great year for rock
1: it was so good oh yeah it was just so good
0: yeah if you look at the albums released um now you guys have another song uh the retaliators movie that you have you guys did the theme 21 bullets is that under the 6 a.m
1: it's not Uh, it's not under 6 a.m Nikki and i wrote that song um they were they were uh filming the movie and uh needed a theme song for it and um it just seemed like a fun challenge so he and I uh got together and wrote that song um and uh and then they got a bunch of of guest artists to to perform it um that was a fun one i love that song and i think it um i think it's uh, really uh, the right song for that movie um so it doesn't that's an example of you know just other projects that we are involved in i'm sure that dj and i will will you know do something together uh, in the near future you know it's just uh, that's when when you have that kind of chemistry between people you cherish it and you you don't want to let that go because it's rare and and sure and uh once you have it you you hold on to it for dear life
0: Okay. Sounds good. Any other, uh, projects that you want to promote? Um, we'll look forward to that solo album in September.
1: Yeah. You know, th- that's, that's really it. I'm, okay. I'm just now starting to get back into social media. I took a long break from that and mm. I don't- and loved every minute of the break. But oh, uh, I'm jealous. I'm, I'm having fun getting back into it again, and um, you know, trying to figure out how these algorithms work, and not getting too hung up on it where I get frustrated. But uh, but enjoying the process. So you know, I will keep you updated through social media as to when I'm releasing music and if there are any new projects coming up. Uh, I will certainly put it out there.
0: Okay, so I'm assuming you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Are you on TikTok? You put I those.
1: I'm on TikTok right now and, I, and I'm loving being on TikTok because on, like on, on Instagram, I've got, I don't know, maybe 65,000 followers or something like that. And of course, 6 a.m. has, has more followers, but on TikTok right now, I think I've only got. Maybe eight hundred followers, so so it feels really just because I haven't promoted it, and I'm I'm only doing I'm just putting some acoustic videos out on there. Um, so I'm just getting started on it, and I'm having fun with it because it is so infant. You know, it's just in yeah. such an stage that uh, that you know every day I'll like see oh I got two more followers, that's awesome, and I'm I'll like,
0: follow you. I don't know if I I don't know if I follow you or not on there. I will you. follow you though because I love those videos you're putting out with the piano. It's great. Thank
1: you. I'm going to be putting several more of those out. Uh, I love doing those. Yeah. My TikTok is James Michael Music. So okay. it's at, at James Michael Music. My Instagram is James Michael Official. Uh, my Facebook is James Michael Official. My YouTube is James Michael Official. So TikTok is the only one that's James Michael Music.
0: Okay. And all those other ones, I think you got the blue tick. So people know that's verified. So if it's somebody that says James Michael from 6N and then they ask you for money, it's probably not you.
1: Hey, thank you for bringing that up. There's There's been a lot of that lately. I'm getting a yeah. lot of messages from fans saying, hey, this, this person has reached out to me saying they're your online manager and they want you to... <laughs> you know they want you to i don't know write something or send something and so please don't fall for any of that stuff um those are just scammers trying to get some attention and and most of the fans realize right away you know i right. i i i don't i don't reach out to people privately i don't dm people i'll never ask a fan for anything um i just post stuff and that's it and um and got it yeah
0: Well, very cool. And then I always end each episode promoting a charity. Is there, is there something that you want to promote here at the end in terms of a charity
1: that's near and dear to your heart? Uh, That's really cool. Um, you know, over the last few, few years, I've, I've, I've always been an animal lover, um, but I've gotten two dogs and they are the center of my universe and, um, any, any charity that that you want to, to donate to that helps, um, you know, like the Humane Society or the SPCA, anything like that that is helping either find, you know, forever homes for animals that are in need or um, or or protecting animals' rights, mm-hmm. uh, anything to do with that is is okay by me.
0: Okay, I love it. Yeah, I've promoted that many, many times. So hopefully people can throw a few bucks in there. Uh, can they pre-order
1: your album now or is it you not – I decided not to do pre-order stuff because it okay. just felt so music business-y to me. I just <laughs> I am literally gonna pop on to social media the day before I release it and let people know that it's coming out. It's gonna be mid-September. I just I uploaded this stuff myself. Like I said, I'm not doing a label. Okay. So uh, once it's once it's live, I'll let people know. And then I'll do the typical promotion and, and stuff. Um but yeah, it's uh, it's just going to be done. You know, I'll just alert people through social media and let them know it's going to be middle of September.
0: Are you going to be doing a lot of uh, more podcasts, or is this? Am I the only one? Hopefully,
1: <laughs> right now you're the only one. I, I love having these conversations. So, yeah. so by the way, thank you for for reaching out to me and and asking me to do this because I do love talking about the music business and I love talking about creating and yeah. Uh, I th- and I'm sure that you've found this, the more that you speak with people, there are a lot of really wonderful people in this music industry. And uh, and a lot of them surprise you with how down to earth they are. And um, I that's, that's one of the things that I've been the most grateful for in my career is that I've just met incredible human beings, both creators and fans. You know, uh-huh. I've, I've met so many amazing people and I've always just felt like, no matter who you are, no matter who the person is that you're meeting, their life is a movie just ready to be told, Mm -hmm. whether you are just, you know, whether you are a fan or you're you're a, an agent or you're a lawyer or you're a musician, no matter what you do, I just find people's lives so interesting. And, And I think that that's why I've enjoyed being an observer of life my whole life. And, and, uh, that's why I enjoy doing what I do, because in some way, I feel like I, I spend my time telling people's stories, whether they're mine or somebody else's. And, and I find that very uh, rewarding.
0: I, I feel the exact same way. I feel like that's what the point of my podcast is, to tell people's stories. And, and you're right. Like, you meet these people. Before I started doing a podcast, I thought, all oh, these rock stars were cocky assholes. You know, they're probably playing the character. But then you get them in person. You talk to them on Zoom or whatever, and they're very down to earth.
1: Yeah, ninety nine percent of the time.
0: Ninety nine, I would say that's a good statistic. Yeah,
1: surprised you're surprised by just how how cool these people are. And yes, you once you understand that you know there's a character there, and once they step out of character and they're and they're themselves, they're usually pretty cool people.
0: Yeah, like Ann Wilson. I had her on the show. She covered your song. Have you ever met her?
1: Oh uh, yes, yes, and I was. That was, I got to tell you, man, I've had a lot of kind of goosebump moments in my career where things where I say I can't believe this is happening to me. Um, her bass player sent me a video of her performing "Permission," and boy, that I I sent that video to my brother and to my mom and my dad and just everyone I knew because I was so excited and so just I was just giddy about the fact that that this incredible voice, this iconic person just performing a song that i wrote and it just just blew my mind it just yeah
0: mind. i thought that was so cool that she and she loves it she told me she's a huge fan of of the band and i was like wow because you just don't think that she would be listening to you know that kind of music but now she loved it and it's great
1: it's just just amazing just yeah. that was that was w- one of the many just moments in my life where i just go I can't believe this is happening to
0: me. Yeah. Well, and I think you give a lot of other people those kind of moments when you, when fans meet you. Like when you do my podcast, like I, I've, I have a little bit of a goosebump moment myself. So thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: That's very kind of you. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me on. Let's do this again sometime.
0: Okay, anytime. Yeah, let me know.
1: You got it. All right. Thanks, James. Take care.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you again to James Michael. Make sure to keep an eye out for the new studio album in mid-September. I love how there's no official release date, so I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Just make sure that you're following James on social media. Stay up to date, because that's when he's going to tell you when he's going to drop it. And while you're on there, uh, if you could, give me a follow or give the show a follow. We're all over everything. And again, I will bug you to make sure you're subscribed to the show either on YouTube or if you listen on Spotify or Apple podcasts, I think you can subscribe there as well. I appreciate all your positive comments, reviews, likes, shares of all my episode. It means the world to me and I'm eternally grateful. Have a great rest of your day and shoot for the moon.